Hey there, you're listening to episode 123 of the Katie Lance podcast. In this podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing Shelly Brisbane, who is an expert in accessibility. And you guys, we had such a great conversation about how to make your website and your social media content more accessible, right? For people who have visual or um, audio or just different disabilities. Um, you know, sometimes if you are um, someone who does not have a disability or if you don't know someone in your family who does, it may not be something that that we think about. And so I am so excited to be able to chat with an expert and she gave so many great tips and advice um, for just making our content, making our websites and everything we put out there just more accessible for everybody. All right, my friends, I know you're going to enjoy this. Let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Katie Lance Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur, social media geek, real estate pro, a mom, or maybe all of the above, and ready to level up your social media game, you're in the right place. everybody. Welcome back to the Katie Lance podcast. I am so excited for our conversation here today. We have a very special guest today. Shelly Brisbane is our guest and, you know, we are going to have a great conversation all about accessibility. I actually did a podcast a few episodes ago, just kind of sharing my own personal experience of some of the things we're doing with our website and social media in terms of just making things more inclusive, more accessible. And I, I am quick to say, I am very much not an expert on this uh, subject. And I mentioned in that podcast, I said, hey, if anyone, if any of our listeners can recommend uh, someone to interview, please let us know. And one of our listeners reached out and said, yes, I've heard Shelly on other podcasts. If you can get her, she would be great. And so I'm so, so thrilled to have you with us today, Shelly. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm grateful to your listener who uh, thought of recommending me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for those of you who don't know Shelly, I've got a a brief bio here just to tell you a little bit about her. Um, Shelly is a writer, editor, uh, and podcaster, and she recently published the eighth edition of her book, iOS Access for All, Your Comprehensive Guide to Accessibility for iPad, iPhone, and iPod Touch. Uh, By day, she's a web editor and a producer for Texas Standard, a daily public radio news show. And in 2009, Shelly produced the award award-winning audio documentary, 36 Seconds That Changed Everything, How the iPhone Learned to Talk. Uh, She's an accomplished journalist, podcaster, and so much more. So again, welcome, Shelly. So happy to have you with us today. Thanks. It's always so weird to hear your own bio read back to you. And it's like, oh yeah, I I guess I did some of that stuff. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I know. I know. Sometimes it's a nice little pat on the back, right? Right? (laughs) So I would love to just start at the beginning. Um, For listeners who may not be familiar with you and your work, can you just share a little bit about your background and how did you get into this work of teaching and and writing about accessibility? Sure. Well, I have been a technology journalist for about 30 years, and I always focused on how to teaching people how to use technology. I worked for a magazine called Mac User back in the 90s, where we were all about helping people use the Mac to the best of their ability. And I've, I've sort of followed that along with writing books about using the Mac, writing books about wireless networking and web development. And, you know, that's just the thing I always did. 
But the thing that I never really wrote about was that I'm also a person with a visual impairment. And so when I was doing all those books, I was writing for a mainstream audience, people who didn't have any kind of disability. And there was a point in my life when a couple of things happened simultaneously, the first of which is it became harder and harder to sell technology books, which was what I was mostly doing. And, you know, paper books, not so much a thing anymore. <laughs> right. Um, and so I was looking for new things I could write about and new ways for distributing them. And the second thing I realized is that that technology had become much more accessible to people with disabilities in that companies like Apple and Google were adding accessibility features to their products, but there wasn't a lot of information online about how to use them. And, and what was out there was really superficial. And so having never written about it, I just sort of looked a little inward and said, hey, you know, this is you've used these technologies yourself and you've also found ways to work around them when they didn't exist. Maybe there's something you could write for an audience of people who, who have disabilities or who have kids with disabilities or who, who somehow interact with folks with disabilities who, who may not know what's out there. And so I just went down this journey and thought, well, I'll write one book and it became eight. And so <laughs> I, I spent a lot more time writing and talking about disability and accessibility than, than I used to. And it sometimes is still a surprise to me, but it's, it's also been really a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, your new book comes out in the fall uh, about iOS and accessibility. What are a few things that we may not know about when it comes to our iPhones and accessibility? So there are a lot of tools on the iPhone for people with different kinds of disabilities. Some people may know that your iPhone will let you zoom in, make text bigger. People even without disabilities use those features all the time. What they probably don't know is that, for example, if you're a blind person, you can use this iPhone, this thing with a glass screen that has no buttons on it, uh, as a blind person with a spoken interface. It's called voiceover, and, and the, the generic term is a screen reader, and people who use computers or who use phones can use screen readers, and voiceover happens to be the, the iPhone version of that. There are also features for people who are deaf or hard of hearing that make it easier for them to hear what's going on in their iPhone, or if they can't hear, turn all of those chirps and alerts and noises your phone makes into uh, flashing lights or messages that let a person without hearing uh, be able to interact with their phone. And then a, a third category I would mention is a feature called voice control, where somebody who has a physical disability and may have trouble touching their iPhone can actually use their voice to do everything from opening an app to uh, dicta dictating text and uh, editing that text uh, completely with their voice. So, so Apple has done a really good job of providing a variety of features that make it possible for people with all kinds of disabilities, even pretty severe ones, uh, to use an iPhone. Wow. I think, I think that's really interesting, especially, you know, especially for folks who, you know, may not have uh, any type of issues with accessibility or they're not exposed to that. It's something that they just, you know, just sometimes people just don't think about. Um, and so I think it's great that that is, that option is available uh, for folks. And I'd imagine that those are all things that can just be set up in the settings of, of an iPhone. Yeah, actually, and it's really easy to find, and they've made it easier to find uh, over the past few years. Used to, you had to dig a little bit, but now if you open up the settings app on your iPhone and you scroll a little bit, there's a whole, there's a there's a uh, an accessibility option, and underneath that accessibility option are all those individual things I talked about, plus a lot more, and they're organized according to disability. So if you're somebody 
who has a vision disability, that those settings are right at the top. And then there are physical disability related settings and then hearing related settings. So it's all sort of organized in a way that's pretty straightforward for you to sort of thumb through and figure out, wait, is this a feature that I might benefit from? Right. That's great. That's great. So if, if someone is at the beginning of all of this, and I would imagine a lot of our listeners, I share with you, a lot of the folks who listen are in real estate or they're small business owners, or, or they just enjoy these, you know, we have interviews with all different types of, of leaders in, in real estate and technology and social media. We focus a lot on social media as well. If someone's kind of at the beginning of all this and, and they want to do better, they want to make their content and their website more accessible. What are some tips that you might recommend? If, again, if someone's kind of at the beginning stages of all of this. Well, I'm going to give you a really easy one that is potentially rewarding for you as well as for the audience out there. And that is something called alt text. So if you are on a website, if you're blind and you're using a screen reader and you can have the text read aloud to you, but you encounter an image. If that image, first of all, if it doesn't have a caption, then the, the screen reader doesn't have any way of interacting with it. It might just say image or it might just skip on past it. But even if this image has a caption, the caption might not be very descriptive. It might say Jane Smith. But in fact, the picture is of Jane Smith uh, throwing a softball or doing something more interesting. Or maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a, a piece of property and you've, you're saying, you know, this is a, and the caption says 10 acres on a river. But the picture is actually beautifully beautiful green rolling meadows going down to a river with beautiful old oak trees. Well, the blind person who's reading that, who may be very interested in your property, who may want to know what Jane Smith is doing, doesn't have that information that the person with vision does. So what alt text allows you to do, and web CMSs like WordPress or Squarespace or any of those tools will let you do this, in addition to whatever caption you write for an image, use the alt text feature uh, in your CMS or in HTML if you're writing your own web pages uh, as, an alter as a description that is more full and is aimed at somebody who can't see the picture. So instead of just thinking about this is a picture of a house or you know, this is something obvious. This house is $150,000. Well, that'd be a nice house to have because that's pretty cheap. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this, this, is, this is what this house costs. You might say uh, a two-story split level. It's painted blue. What, whatever, whatever and you can. And the thing about alt text that's great is there's actually a site out there somewhere called alt text poetry where people, people try to make their alt text not only informative, but interesting and clever. And I've started to try to do that on websites myself as kind of a challenge. <laughs> but start with alt text to begin with. When you put an image on your site, make sure that that alt text exists so that when the blind person with a screen reaver goes across, they don't hear image, image, image. They hear the description of that image in the alt text. It's not visually present on your website if you use alt text. All that the person who who sees your website will interact with is the same, whatever captioning that you're already using. But alt text is a super simple way to get started um, and will make a lot of people, especially I would think in the real estate world, very happy because they're going to get such great detail about what you're presenting to them that they otherwise wouldn't get. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I know that's something we've tried to do better just on our on our own site. I feel like it's sometimes one of those things where, you know, you think to yourself, well, gosh, you know, is it important? Is it not important? But obviously, obviously it is important. Um, and to hear you explain, you know, obviously in detail why it is important. I think it's something that, that should be kind of a no brainer for uh, for most people. Especially if you have, let's say it's a, a real estate site and maybe you have a carousel of six or eight or 10 or 50 images. I was looking at vacation rentals the other day and I saw people had 20, 30 images. 
And a lot of them had little captions and a lot of them had no description at all. And so if you have have vision, you can say you can evaluate that, you know, that living room or whatever. But if, if you don't have any vision, you have zero information. And whether the information is a little puffy and you're trying to promote what you're doing or whether the information is just, you know, a real straightforward recitation, it's better than nothing. So right. start with alt text. Another thing I would say is, and this this is a little less obvious maybe, but uh, people have a tendency in, in some website context to put links under the words click here. And a better way to do that is to put links under words in context. So if I say, for more information, click here, I, I'm going to get that that's a link, but if I'm using a screen reader, if the link is under context words, if I let, let me think of one real quickly. If I say um, this is a kitchen with a sub-zero refrigerator, maybe I maybe I link under sub-zero, so maybe there's more details under there about the size, the square footage of that refrigerator, or whatever. Um, the person reading along can decide for themselves whether that's information that's relevant to them at this point. Do they want to stop and learn about the refrigerator? Do they want to keep going? And it just provides a, a level of context clues within your website linking that you don't otherwise have. And that's something anybody can do, even if you can't find alt text in your CMS or you don't even know what, what that is. It's, there's nothing easier than to, to put a link under a context-sensitive uh, word clue. That's a really great tip. I really never thought about it that way. But I, I think, like you said, that's something anybody can do, you know, whether you're blogging on your own website or even, you know, we have a lot of folks, again, in who a lot of professionals, a lot of real estate professionals um, who also blog like on LinkedIn, you know, sure. and that's another great example. You're, you know, blogging there, you're blogging somewhere else or putting content, just adding that, um, that link in context. I think that's a really good idea. I should probably say just really quickly, I use the words, I use the initials CMS, and that might have passed some folks right by. That stands for content management system. And all that means is whatever software you're using to build your website. So if it's WordPress or if it's Squarespace, or even if it, for your purposes, if it's LinkedIn, like if you have a blog on some platform, a platform is probably a better generic word to use than CMS. So I apologize for getting a little more geeky than I intended <laughs> right there. No, it's okay. Geek out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, and I would also say too, you know, for those, those of you listening, if someone else manages your website, it's a great conversation to have with them also, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to see, to see about that and um, as well. So I also wanted to kind of talk a little bit about um, just, you know, social media, um, you know, that's, that's a big sweet spot for us. And, and, you know, we help a lot of folks with their social media. A lot of folks come listen to our podcast because of that. Um, I know that there's some things that you can do, like, for example, Instagram now is allowing, you know, some alt text things. Is there anything else that you can maybe think of that that would help people to make their social media posts or videos or graphics more accessible? Yeah, Instagram does alt text. So does Twitter. Facebook does to some extent. I can't remember exactly how that's implemented, but uh, as important as so as uh, uh, uh alt text is in websites, it's almost more important in social media because I think people in social media, especially things like Instagram that are so visual, they're really taking for granted that you're having a visual conversation with the with the audience, right? When you put something up on Instagram, 
you're trying to make a visual statement and you're assuming that somebody will go, oh, I get what you mean visually. And so it's it's really important to include all text because there are a lot of people with disabilities, with blindness, who are going to go to Instagram because that's where their friends are. And Instagram is becoming more of a platform where people message each other. So it's not just about, well, why would a blind person spend time on Instagram? And of course, like like we were saying, if you're, if you're a real estate professional, you're going to put things up on Instagram. And one of those people might be a buyer who happens to have a disability. But going beyond that, uh, something that I see a lot on Twitter, I see this on Facebook, is where people will take text and they'll put it within the context of an image. So you've seen those big boxes on Facebook that have text mm. inside of them. Mm-hmm. Or on Twitter, people will screenshot a set of tweets or some text from an article and they'll put it in their Twitter post as an image. Well, that's completely inaccessible. That stuff doesn't read as text unless there there are features on the iPhone, for example, that allow people to sort of get around that by doing OCR and by scanning the text. But it's kind of a pain in the butt if you're reading along in an Instagram story or reading along in an Instagram still image or in, on Facebook and there's a big blank box and the box says, hi, how are you doing? Having a, have a nice day. But I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't see that. I see big red box if I'm right. <laughs> or something like that. And so whether you use alt text or whether you have in the caption or in the post itself, the text as text so that somebody consume it, consume it that way. Because I'll just tell you from my own personal experience, when I'm, especially on a mobile device, when I'm on my phone, if text is really small, even if it's in, I have some vision, if, if it's in an image and I find it difficult to read, I may not be mad at you. I may just skip you entirely. Right. And obviously that's going to be bad for your business. I'm going to move on to somebody else. Right. And so even if I don't react negatively, I'm just going to say, well, there's hundreds of posts here. Why am I going to waste my time on yours? And you don't want that. You want to stop me and, and get me to pay attention to what it is you have to offer. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. The, you know, it might not be a, a, a issue of you, you know, being mad about it. It's just, you're just going to keep scrolling, right? There's just like, you know, we just, that's what we do. We, we just keep scrolling. So I, I agree with you there. Yeah, exactly. Another thing I would say is a lot of people will post videos that don't have any uh, audio at all, or that the audio is only music. Uh, there is a particular um, a, a, a site out there on Twitter that they post a lot of videos on Twitter, and they have a lot of uh, captions. But and they have a lot. They have the visual. Uh, they have videos that have music, and they have great visuals, and then they have captions. So that's great if you're somebody. Uh, who's deaf and who wants to read all the content and the captions. But if you're blind, that video is just music to you. And mm-hmm. so I actually had to unfollow them because they're, and they, they, in fact, they did some videos about disability that had no audio description or no audio overdub of any kind. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that just feels not only that, that, that's the kind of thing that actually can be hurtful because yeah. that feels like you don't care enough to, you, you took the time to put those captions in because you wanted something in addition to the visuals, but you didn't take the time to think about some portion of the audience that might be able to consume audio better. That would also, of course, include non-native, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't uh, read very as fast as maybe they would understand a, a language that's not native to them. So, you know, there are all sorts of reasons that you might uh, want to add uh, audio description, which is the formal term for is audio description. So, for example, people will, uh, companies will 
provide full audio descriptions on, on, on movies, which is a great way for a blind person to, to watch a movie. But even if you have a short video, even if you don't do a full audio description, if you can have the ability to, to talk about what this video is about, and you may not, like let's say it's a video walkthrough of a home or something like that, you might not describe every nook and cranny of that house, but you can certainly describe it in the way that you would on your site. You know, here's a 10-room a home with three bedrooms and two baths. It's in this kind of neighborhood. And that way, the person knows whether that might be content that they want to save and maybe look through with a spouse who has vision or want to just learn more about you. Because otherwise, the choice, you know, how much time do I have in a day? Am I going right. to stick and look at your content or am I going to move on to the next thing? I think that's really an interesting point because I, I see... A lot of realtors who are creating videos, a lot of times they're like slideshow videos, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's just sort of, it's it's not quite a video, but it kind of is a video. It's, you know, pictures um, and they, you know, they'll put like some jazz music behind it or something and it looks nice, right? And there might even be some, a couple little things on screen, like you know, master bedroom or whatever it might be. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, to your point, <laughs> you know, there's not really, it's not really descriptive of exactly what, what the house is all about. So I could see where that caption and obviously writing all that out below that can just make a huge difference. Yeah. And I probably in, the, in those slideshows, usually realtors are pretty good about it, but some others that I've seen are not where the slides go by too fast. And as I say, I have some vision. And so I want to take time to look at the slides and maybe I have control of it. Maybe I don't. If it's an automated slideshow, think about how much time you want to give a viewer to look at not only the images, but read the text you have there. And even a couple of additional seconds per slide is going to make it easier for somebody with visual disability and who's trying to kind of multitask with captions right. and all that to, to consume your content. You know, as you're talking, it just made me think about, you know, Instagram uh, and TikTok has this feature now where you can do voiceover videos, which I've seen a lot more people do because sometimes they don't want to be on camera, right? Mm -hmm. And and we see this if they're teaching something or, you know, for real estate, again, it's great to be able to show a house, but not, you don't have to be on camera. It could be, you know, showing the property, but then there's a voiceover kind of walking through what people are seeing. So, you know, do you, do you see that as, as something that could be kind of help solve this solve this issue for people. Oh, absolutely. And then also TikTok has recently added captions. They're automated captions. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can enhance the captions that you create for your own TikTok video. You can start with the automated captions that they give you, and then you can enhance them even further. And I've seen people do that really effectively on TikTok. I don't know the details of how all that works in Instagram, but I know that they do have the, the, the voiceover facility. The thing about TikTok is, that, I don't know if you, you heard about this, but recently the, the TikTok voice changed, like the default voiceover voice changed because the person whose voice they were using previously apparently had not given her consent. And so TikTok <laughs> oh, had to switch to a different voice. And there's okay. been a lot of sort of complaint about the different voice. There, there are different ways. You could use, for example, your phone's own voice. It did require a little more effort on your part. But if you don't want to use the default TikTok voice that uh, they give you, uh, you can actually, you know, find ways to uh, record whatever you want to record in a voice that's in a synthetic voice that's available on, on the iPhone. As I said, the iPhone has like a fully spoken interface right. and I hear iPhone voices a lot. And so <laughs> they require a tiny bit more effort. But if you don't like the default voice, which many people don't, uh, there are ways around it. That's interesting. Uh, and actually, to your point about Instagram, you you can actually go in and, and edit those captions, which is a really nice feature. I That's did cool. That just I did that just recently. You know, if you're if you're in a hurry, sometimes it's just it's easier to 
it's kind of that idea of like, oh, well, it's at least something's up there. But I, I, I like it's like if you're going to take the time to do it, just take an extra 10 seconds. <laughs> right. And and just sort of a, a word of warning about that. So Google has had automatic captions on YouTube for ages. Uh, they are unaffectionately referred to by the people who use them as craptions because they're not very good. <laughs> um, and I think some of that is a function of YouTube videos are really long and they're trying to synthetically generate captions from the content in a way that's pretty fast. I think Instagram, because they're t- they tend to be shorter, you have a little bit of a more, more luxury of like, you know, you create even, even the machines want to create them uh, more quickly. And so my theory, which I may be a little bit wrong about, <laughs> my theory though, is that, that Instagram captions are probably a little bit more carefully created than, than Google's via YouTube. So, so don't, I guess my bottom line on that point would just be don't count on the YouTube captions. The fact that they exist doesn't mean they're great. Right. And, you know, it's always a good idea to watch the video with the captions on and see would those captions be helpful to you or is it misrepresent? Because remember, like if, if, that, if those captions are on there and they don't represent you well, even though you didn't write them, somebody's going to think that you did. And that doesn't look good. That's very true. I also love the you know, the phrase "craptions." Me I too. Have to right? that. <laughs> I did not you. invent that, but I <laughs> laughed when I heard it. I love that. So, another question I had is: What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making when you see that they're trying? You know, they're trying to make their content more accessible, but are there any, any pitfalls or mistakes we could avoid? I think just not thinking about accessibility at all is the the first one, and and assuming that accessibility is not something that's important to you. Uh, and it, it sounds simplistic. And I, I know that a lot of people in your audience don't feel this way, but there are going to be some people out there who don't think of a blind person or a person who's in a wheelchair as a potential homeowner, as a buyer who may have the income and the desire to become a homeowner. And that's not true. And people's disabilities don't define them. And making assumptions about who your target audience is. I, I, I know most businesses are about understanding the demographics of their markets. And I don't think there's very much understanding of how people with disabilities fit into almost every demographic from people with a great deal of income to people with, with very little, people in suburbs, people in cities. And making assumptions is, is probably the, the worst thing you can do as far as just not sort of not getting it. And then I think some of the things I talked about before about put when you use text, not pulling it out of an image and not making it accessible to a screen reader. So in other words, making it possible for somebody who's who's using a screen reader to interact with that as text as opposed to an image. You, you, you look at it and you go, well, that's text. I can see it's text. Well, the computer doesn't know it's text. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's a big one because it just basically, it's kind of like, it feels like a locked door. Is what it what it really feels like uh, yeah. to somebody who who can interact with it. Yeah, that's a that's such a great visual. I mean, especially since a lot of our audience is in real estate, right? You know, the, the locked door visual, and I love what you said that you know disabilities don't don't define us. And I could see how a lot of folks who have you know a, a disability might feel a, a bit locked out because of those assumptions. And so. I think Can I tell you a quick story? I just thought yeah. of this. Um, so I am a homeowner. And when uh, we were looking for a home a number of years ago, uh, where I live in Austin, Texas, uh, I had a great realtor. She's since become a friend. And I said to her, one of my priorities is that I want to be conveniently located to public transportation because I don't drive. 
And as a realtor, somebody who lives in her car, she never really thought about that. And she did her best because she was listening to me and she was paying attention to the fact that it was important. My, my husband drives and we, we, we use the car to get around. I ride with him, but I also need to be able to, to travel independently. And so I think having a mindset of listening to the customer who says, I need access to public transportation and learning and learning that information as a realtor, or I need physically accessible housing or uh, this, the house might be accessible, but there's a curb that, you know, that needs a curb cut or something like that. And just, just listening to the customer's needs in terms of accessibility. And, and if, and if they haven't provided you, and if you, if you feel like maybe there's a need they haven't expressed, giving that person the opening and saying, are there any considerations that you have? Are there any particular uh, desires or interests or needs that you have as far as the the kind of a place that, that you're looking for. And people in most cases will go, oh, wow, I'm so glad you asked. Well, let me tell you, I, I would like to be conveniently located to a public transportation and I, I need to be within, you know, this distance or whatever, but I'm new to the city. Maybe I don't know the transit system. And so maybe it's incumbent on the realtor to help the customer find out about that. And that's not digital accessibility. That's just accessibility to life. Exactly. Yeah, and just you know, just taking the, taking the time to ask those questions and to and to really listen. And if you don't know the answer, you know, like you mentioned with your your realtor, she hadn't maybe considered that, but just doing that research because that was something that's important to you. That's huge. Exactly. I, I love that. Um, well, gosh, this this time together has just flown by. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Or anything else I didn't ask you today that you'd like to talk about? I guess the only thing I would say, because we didn't obviously sit down and demonstrate accessibility features, but if you're wondering about how uh, a web, how a mobile device, for example, might work for a person with a disability, feel free to get inside those iPhone settings and turn on some of the accessibility settings like voice over the screen reader, because when you do that, that gives you the ability to go out to a website or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and experience those places online the way somebody with a disability might. Now, I'm going to tell you that it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, and, and a lot of people will be initially frustrated by the experience because they haven't learned to use it. But it was frustrating when you first drove a car or rode a bicycle or anything that was was difficult. And there are resources out there online. Obviously, I write some of them, but there are plenty of others that can help you sort of get started. And if you if you sort of take a little bit of time and put yourself in the situation of a person with a disability, it, it, not, it not only gives you sort of empathy for the experience that person is having. I'm not looking for you to feel uh, feel sympathy. I'm looking for you to have understanding about how the decisions that you make about the way you produce digital accessible digital content accessibly can give a better experience to the person who is who's using a screen reader or using uh, voice control or, or some other accessibility feature. I think that's great advice, Shelley. I, I'm going to do that because I have I have not experienced that, and I would love to see what what that experience is like, and you know what what people experience when they go on my website or on social media. So I, I think for all of our listeners, I would encourage you to do the same thing um, and and check it out and and just you know go down that uh, go down that uh, I guess rabbit hole, so to speak, to, <laughs> to try it out. You know, um, and I also. You know, just want to encourage you if you are not yet connected with Shelly on social media, she's at Shelly S H E L L Y over on Twitter. I was complimenting her early that earlier that she has 
an at Shelly handle. I think that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> She's obviously an early Twitter adopter, <laughs> which yep. is fantastic. Um, we've also uh, in the show notes, we're going to link uh, a link to her book, iosaccessbook.com. I know I am definitely going to be picking up a copy. I would definitely encourage you to check it out. Um, and Shelly, I know you also have a, a podcast. Would you like to mention that? We'll also link that in the show notes below. Sure. I appreciate that. I do a podcast every two weeks called Parallel. It's a podcast about technology with accessibility sprinkles, as I say, is my tagline. And what that means is that sometimes we'll talk to a couple of guests about a technology topic and we'll include an accessibility perspective as part of the conversation. Other times it's more accessibility than than others uh, because sometimes I have a great guest who who's just, you know, really focused on it. So, so the last episode I did was about some accessibility work that uh, a NASA lab has done to make it possible to understand some of those beautiful images that NASA takes of the solar system and beyond and turn that into audio description. So you can find that at relay.fm slash parallel. That's fantastic. Well, I know I'm going to check that out. I definitely would encourage our listeners to check that out as well. Um, Shelly, this has just been so amazing. And I just so appreciate your time and your knowledge. Um, I just, I just appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for being, being here with us today. My, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. We so appreciate you tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, the best thing you can do is share it out. Share it out on social media. Feel free to take a screenshot. You can tag me, tag Shelly. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Um, and also, you know, as you as you are listening to this episode, if there's additional questions you have or thoughts, please reach out to us as well. Of course, if you really enjoyed the podcast, we would absolutely love your five-star review over on Apple. All right, my friends. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you want more, head over to katielance.com and check out the Get Social Smart Academy. Also sign up for a free email newsletter packed full of great content. Until next time, get social smart.